Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Dan Orlovsky will join me in just a couple moments on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And among the many things he did today was rave about the performance over the weekend of Ryan Tannehill, who will also join me in this hour. Ryan Tannehill of the Titans, MVP candidate, will be live in a half hour with Greeny here on ESPN Radio. Well, let me bring uh, Danny in here and and let's go through some of the stuff, Dan. There's a million places I want to go with you, as you would expect. On a Monday, we had so many of the conversations this morning. There's some of that I want to go over and some new things as well. But I said a few moments ago, and I'd love you to expand on it, that there were a lot of great performances in the league yesterday and there were quite a few big losses yesterday. But there was no one who came out of the day Worse, I thought, than Baker Mayfield. What were your thoughts on what you saw from him and in the big picture, what it might mean? Totally agree on the Baker Mayfield thing, Greeny, because it was, you know, this season, a lot of hope and promise because of the new coaching staff and the talent around him, the acquisition of help. And week one happens and they're playing a division rival and a really good football team. And he plays very poorly against the Baltimore Ravens. And everyone, or at least most of us, said it's week one, new system, give him some time. The next four weeks looks great. Playing good football, they're kind of playing this complimentary version, get some leads early through the pass game, play action pass. Number one is there, he looks awesome. Run the game, and they win four in a row. All right, so here's the time. A huge one o'clock game when the slate isn't awesome on Sundays against another division rival that people really think highly of, Baker, here's your opportunity. In the third play of the game, everyone goes, what? Because it's the pick six. And it's the same thing or one of the same things that has held Baker Mayfield back for the first three years of his career is teams now know what he can't do. He cannot see coverage change from pre-snap to post-snap. And what they're doing is they're showing him something before the snap and they're changing it after the snap and they know where the ball is going to go. They dictate to him where the ball is going to go and it showed itself real quickly yesterday. And it was just a very poor performance. And it's not something that's going to get fixed by next Sunday. It's just not. And so in the present, you're concerned about it because how do you get it to play good enough to win in meaningful games? And then the long term, you're concerned because what happens if it's something that he never, ever, ever fixes? Well, so my question to you then, Dan, and for anyone who was watching, you did an excellent breakdown of exactly that this morning on TV where you showed how the Steelers baited him at the very beginning of the game, literally his second pass of the game. They baited him into throwing it where they wanted him to when they took it back for a touchdown. And the game was really never a game from that point forward. Is that the kind of thing that can be taught? Can he, Mayfield, learn to pick up those nuances as time goes by? Never the way that you want the number one pick to. You know, that, that never the way that you go, that guy's going to be great. Can you teach it to him and he gets somewhat better? Yes, you can teach guys that. But this is the, you know, you're not going to come across anybody who loves the play-action pass more than me. I love the play-action pass. I know the benefit of it. It was part of the, one of the systems that I grew up in. The great thing about the play-action pass system, which is what Baker's in, is you don't really, as a quarterback, need to know the coverage before the snap. Because more often than not, you're turning your back to the line of scrimmage, you're making a fake, 
And it's all a progression-based thing. You get taught, hey, go to number one, to number two, to number three. You read kind of find windows or find defenders. I don't need to know if it's one high or two high. And so when you, you kind of you, – you're part of that offense and it works, that, that number one receiver works and my, my coach schemed it up, I'm great because I'm anticipating that. But when it doesn't work or then I have to play drop-back football and I don't know how to see coverage rotation or tells, that's very difficult to get a handle on. That's very difficult for me to learn and to operate in a two-second window. And so that, yes, is very concerning long-term. So that was one of the two games of the day yesterday, Greeny and Dan Orlovsky with you on ESPN Radio. The other one, of course, was the battle of the legendary quarterbacks, Rodgers and Brady, which turned out to be more than anything else about the Tampa defense. So let me ask you a question I didn't get to ask you this morning. Is there any reason to think if those two teams wind up meeting again in the playoffs, which they easily could, that it would look any different from the way it looked yesterday? I would imagine that Matt LaFleur learns from yesterday as a coach. You know, what are the things that we could have done or didn't do well enough to help our offense out? You know, they didn't, did they not throw the ball to the perimeter enough in the quick game? Because that's something greeny that going into yesterday, they did really well. Catch snap, ball to the perimeter. Catch bet, snap, ball to the perimeter. Extension of the run game. They didn't do much of it yesterday. So did Matt LaFleur beat himself up and not do that enough? Um, do I think that they've got to figure out a way if those two teams meet to get the ball to his hands in the screen game quicker? Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're banking on a, a coach that's been really successful and very smart. You're banking on him watching it and going, man, what can I do better? Now, the reality is this. At the end of the day, because football is a team game, but it's one-on-one. And the 11 guys for Tampa Bay's defense just lined up and said, we're going to whoop you guys. And that was strength on strength. It was the best offensive line of football in Green Bay versus the best defensive line, certainly in the pass rush game, when it comes to the five guys that they bring pressure package-wise for Tampa Bay. And they just whooped up on Green Bay's offensive line. And so um, I think that my initial thought is no unless Matt LaFleur really, really has a better grasp of how to attack Tampa's defense. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky with you here. Uh, I said right before the break that there was one piece of good news, the one thing that made me smile as a football fan yesterday, or actually it was today, and it was when Hembo sent me the following stat. Dan, do you know which team has the toughest remaining schedule of any team in the NFL? It is? <laughs> the Adam Gaysla, New York Jets. That is correct. Our model gives them a 57% chance of getting the number one pick, about a 10% chance of finishing 0 and 16. So I, I want to share with everyone a conversation that you and I had with Rex Ryan, the three of us during a commercial break. We were just sitting around and we were wondering aloud, what would you have to be offered uh-huh. to trade that pick? So, so how... I guess what I'm asking you is, will you do the college games? Didn't you, you, you just did Clemson, right? I Clemson on Saturday, yes. Yeah. This past Saturday, so, so, And I know you were telling me you spent some time around Lawrence. So yes. whatever team gets the number one pick, whether it's the Jets or whoever, the, the Jets have the inside track to that now. Like, what do you think that team would have to be offered to consider trading him? And in your mind, would, would you give him up for literally anything that you might get traded? I think that in my mind... Um, I, I don't think there's anything that would get me out of that first spot. Uh, I think that highly of Trevor Lawrence. The only two situations in my mind that I could sit here and honestly think I would, I would entertain it would be if I'm the Houston Texans 
and I've got Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I don't have any desire to move off of Deshaun Watson. So if I get the first pick and I'm the Houston Texans, I feel amazing because I've got my quarterback, but I'm about to get an absolute bounty of picks. And if I'm the New York Jets, I do think it's very interesting, and I know some people disagree with me, but if you're Joe Douglas and you've got the first pick and you are a Sam Darnold believer, no matter what happens the rest of the season, that team's terrible. You're a Sam Darnold believer. Are you entertained with a team coming to you and saying, hey, let's say the Jacksonville Jaguars had the third pick in the draft this coming, this coming 2021 draft, mm-hmm. and they go, we're going to give you the third pick, and then we'll give you the 35th pick, and then we'll give you the um, 68th pick. And we'll give you our first rounder for 2022 and our first rounder for 2023. If you're Joe Douglas, I think that I, I'm not a general manager. For no, that's going to be very hard to pass up. Because if you believe in Sam Darnold, wow, you can get your football team a lot better real quickly. You expedite that rebuilding process. I think those are the only two situations team-wise that you entertain anything for Trevor Lawrence. It's fascinating, and 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 we will spend some time between now and well, we'll have plenty of time between now and the draft, talking about just what makes him so good as a prospect. I know you still believe in Darnold. You know I still believe in Darnold. I have no idea if the Jets would do that or not. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. He is on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. The other guy that everyone knows you believe in is Carson Wentz, and. He did everything he could to bring that team back into that game yesterday. They should have gotten obliterated by Baltimore. And Wentz sort of playing at times, it seems, almost by himself out there, almost brought them all the way back. What are you seeing from him right now, and what do you expect to happen in that division? This past three weeks, he's been more representative of the the guy that we kind of saw last year carry them into the playoffs in the the twenty. 18 kind of runaway MVP before the injury. That's, that's what I've seen for the 2017 runaway MVP before injury. That's what I saw yesterday was this guy that said, I'm that good of a player. And I said this last week about Carson Wentz. There's a difference between believing you're the best player on the field and trying to convince everybody you're the best player on the field. When you press and try to do too much, which is what he did at the beginning of the year, that's when you try to prove to everybody you're the best player on the field. What I saw yesterday was a guy just walked out there and said, I'm the best player on the field. I'm, I'm, you know, all due respect to Lamar Jackson. When my, I'm the best player on the field. I believe that. And so, you know, think about how you know, let, yesterday's the number one ranked defense in the NFL and they hang 28 on them with one starter on offense. One starter, Jason Kelsey, that's on offense with him. That's indescribable. I, I said this this morning. I asked Max Kellerman this morning. Give me two or three other quarterbacks that you think get that game to a two-point conversion with a minute 30 left in the NFL. When you tell them, you only get one starter to play with. It's almost impossible to do. So he was great yesterday. And I, I think that, simply put, Greeny, if he plays the next 10 weeks or nine weeks like he has the past three games, they'll win that division. I don't know what it'll look like. It might be 6-9-1. and one. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how it'll play out, but they'll win the division. They have some winnable games. Coming up on the schedule, we'll see if they're able to get it done. Dan Orlovsky today, 4 o'clock Eastern with Mina and Laura and Swagoo and everyone, as always, with the brand-new NFL Live, which is terrific. Dan, thank you. It was great to see you today, and I'll see you next week. You're the best, Green. Thanks, brother. All right, that's Dan Orlovsky with me here, and we are just making moves. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. Breaking moves and making moves. It was just to circle back quickly to that because as a fan myself, it's really the only thing I have left to cling to. 
is the idea that what would a guy like Trevor Lawrence be worth in a trade? I mean, if you knew for certain he was Peyton Manning, I'm just inserting a name. Well, maybe Manning is too high a standard. Manning, you there's nothing you wouldn't trade to get him. Right? There's nothing you wouldn't trade to get one of the five best quarterbacks that ever lived. What if you knew Trevor Lawrence was going to be... Well, Andrew Luck retired too soon. That, that's the, that's the, the person they're comparing him to is Luck and Elway. Now, Elway is also one of the five best quarterbacks of all time. I, I think you don't trade him. I think you take him. And then whatever else happens, happens from there. But we will see. All right, let's very quickly look ahead to Monday Night Football tonight because we have two very interesting games that are coming up. The Monday Football Preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. You have the early game, Kansas City-Buffalo, and I like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are very good. In fact, according to our analytics, our football power index, the Chiefs are the number one team in the National Football League. You know who's number two? Tampa. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the number two team in the league, according to our analytics. Chiefs-Bucks, which, by the way, happens to be my Super Bowl. No big deal. But I like the Chiefs tonight to beat Buffalo. Buffalo playing on a short week. The schedule did not do them any favors here. I like Kansas City at home. And then Dallas-Arizona. I don't know that losing Prescott is the reason they lose tonight. Although I think they have a little less ammunition in the shootout that this figures to be against uh, Kyler Murray and company than they would if they had Dak. But even with Dak, you just can't overcome that defense. I believe they're going to get Van Der Esch back tonight, but even if they do, I mean, what are they holding Arizona to? Do they hold Arizona under 40? I don't see any way they hold them under 30. And so that's a tough task. So I believe that Arizona will win tonight. So I've got Kansas City and the Cardinals tonight. And again, if the Cardinals win, this week will have come to an end. The NFC East, through six weeks, will have a combined total of five wins and a tie. The Monday preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. All right, so if you're just getting used to me here, if you're not one who has been with me for years, as some people have, here's what I will always do. I will always tell you where I was right because I will always acknowledge to you where I was wrong. So going into the weekend, I was very right about one thing and I was very wrong about the other. The place Greeny was right is Pittsburgh. In fact, I've been right about them since August. I believe Pittsburgh is the best team in the AFC. Steelers-Titans will be a great game this weekend. I can't wait to see it. Ryan Tannehill, quarterback of Tennessee, is going to join me live in 15 minutes. Should be a fascinating game. He's going up against a defense that unfortunately lost one of its best players for the year yesterday. Devin Bush tore up the ACL. He's out for the season That's a bad loss for a Steeler team whose defense yesterday looked like the Steeler defense I was expecting to see this year. The Steeler defense that kept them in every game last year. The Steeler defense that lifted that team to 8-8 when they had arguably the worst quarterback play in the sport. They don't have that anymore. Now they've got Ben. And they've got Juju Smith-Schuster. The question was, was he a number one receiver? The answer is he doesn't have to be. Because Chase Claypool is. Boy, is that guy good. Claypool and Schuster. And they've got Washington, who's a good receiver. And they've got Connor, who's a good runner. And Snell can run it in there a little bit. I thought they might bring back Le'Veon last week. They didn't do that. But even without him, I I put the Steelers right there with anybody. I told you in August they were going to win that division, and they will. And I put them right there with any team this year to come out of the AFC. Where I was wrong... Going into this weekend, 
Every now and again, I get one wrong. And the place that I was wrong this weekend was on the Patriots. In fact, that one winds up being a little more than the weekend. If you've listened to me over the last couple of weeks, I've been telling you the Patriots are going to get this thing going. And Buffalo had back-to-back losses on their schedule. They lost the first one to Tennessee, and they're going to lose tonight to Kansas City. And so I told you the Patriots would be in first place in the division by the time these teams played each other. That was a bad step backwards yesterday. And Belichick said after the game, we could use some practice. And some things are excuses and others are reasons. One of the reasons the Patriots looked bad yesterday is they hadn't played in two weeks and they hadn't practiced much and Cam hadn't practiced hardly at all because he was the one who tested positive first. So he had been cordoned off away from everybody. In fact, maybe he shouldn't have played yesterday. I don't know. But he really did look like the only thing they have going for them. And when he's not at his dynamic best, their lack of weapons really is noticeable. So I think I may be wrong on the Patriots. Maybe they still win that division, but I'm not so, I don't feel nearly as good about it as I did. Because if there's one thing I learned yesterday, it is just how dependent they are on Cam being great. Cam wasn't great yesterday, and as a consequence, that offense was terrible. And maybe he'll, I believe he'll have more great days, but I don't know if you can count on him to be great every week. If he is, then I go right back to where I was. But they are more dependent on him than I realized. I thought, especially against a team like Denver, he could have an average day and they would still look okay. They did not yesterday. So maybe I had one of them right there and maybe I had the other wrong. I'll tell you someone else who got one right yesterday. He's who got one right. Romeo Cornell got it right going for the two for Houston. Not because his team only has one win and they needed something to jolt them. Not because he's 73 years old and knows he isn't going to be the coach next year, so what the hell. None of those. If the objective is to win yesterday's game, going for the two-point conversion when he did was absolutely the right thing to do. 48% of the time in the National Football League when teams attempt a two-point conversion, they succeed. He has Deshaun Watson. That's by far his best player. And Watson had a good day and he was hot. So you go for the two because if you get the two, you win the game. Done. Nothing left to discuss. Nine-point lead at that spot, over. You win the game. And then if you don't, you still have the opportunity to win the game. Keep them out of the end zone. There's no rule that says they have to score seven, even if they they don't need eight. Feel free to stop them. The other team, Tennessee went right down against him. Give him credit. Give Tannehill credit. Again, he's live with me in 10 minutes. We'll talk about that game. Derrick Henry ran all over him yesterday. And once it got to overtime, you knew they'd lose. But the reason Cornell did the right thing is because he had two different ways to win the game that way. Go for the two. Make it. Game's over. Don't. It's not like he left it a six-point lead. Six to eight, you don't do it. You kick the extra point. Eight to nine. Seven to eight. Excuse me. Seven to nine. You do it because you get them coming and going. You win the game over. No questions asked if you complete it. And if you don't, you still have every opportunity to win it. So just because it didn't work out doesn't mean it was the wrong thing to do. I believe it was the right thing to do. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Right now, the Titans have five wins, but three came on the foot of Steven Goskowski, and yesterday came in overtime. Doesn't matter. Derrick Henry is becoming one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. I feel like I am playing Madden, and I'm just truck-sticking people. Henry, running to the left, into the end zone, touchdown, Titans! Half past the hour, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, and joining me now on the Shell Pinswell Performance Line, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline is a quarterback who, since he took over as the starter in Tennessee, has the best numbers of any quarterback in the National Football League, and he has his team unbeaten right now. Ryan Tannehill is with me on ESPN Radio. Ryan, congratulations on a terrific win. How are you today? I'm doing great, Greeny. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I have a million different places to go with you. But if you were to put your finger on it, so many have looked at at what has happened in your career over what is now, I guess, the last 16 or 17 games since you became the starter there. If you were to put your finger on the one reason why you think it has been so good for you in Tennessee, why it feels as though it has turned for you in the way it has, what would that reason be? I think it's tough to put it on one thing. You know, I think... um, I've been through a lot in my career, a lot of ups and downs, and and learned from all those experiences, whether good or bad. And uh, they've kind of brought me to where I'm at now, um, feeling really confident in the guys around me. I think that helps. Um, it's a great organization, great coaches who put us in good positions to go out and execute each and every week. Then obviously we have a, a bunch of playmakers on the field that are um, believing in each other and confident that um, we're going to find a way to win no matter what happens. Yeah, and obviously one of those is that big fella behind you. Help settle an argument for me here. So we, were, we got into a debate this morning on TV. Uh, Ryan Tannehill could be the MVP of the league this year, and Derrick Henry could be the MVP of the league this year. So I'm asking you, who's the MVP of the Titans right now? Uh, I've got to give it to Derrick. You know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not a guy who's going to vote for myself, and I have a ton of, of uh, respect and, and love Derrick. You know, he does a lot for us, you know, Yesterday was huge on the stat sheet, but he's been huge for us all year, whether um, whether he had 200 yards or not. You know, just the impact he has on the game, um, the ability to not only make the tough yards inside, which you see a lot of big backs do, but he has, as you're seeing now, the, the speed to, to take it 95-plus yards uh, anytime he touches the ball, which I think is what makes him extremely rare. You know, Ryan, we talk about how a running game is the quarterback's best friend, but, but as the quarterback, how would you put into words – what it is like to have that guy in your backfield. Well, it's huge. You know, it's obviously the foundation of our offense. What we like to do each and every week is, is get the, the run game going and, and play off of that with uh, different looks in the pass game and play action. So, um, you know, it's huge to, to have that kind of talent behind me. And obviously he kind of sets the tone for us um, on the ground. 
Ryan Tannehill of the Titans is with me here on ESPN Radio. It's it's unfortunately not all good news, uh, as I'm sure you're aware. Taylor Lewan just posted a short time ago that he does indeed need surgery on his ACL. What what will that uh, what 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 is it that that will do for to your team now? The losing him, what is the significance of that for your offense going forward? It's definitely a blow. I mean, Taylor, uh, you know, anchored down that left side uh, at the tackle position for us, and he does a great job for us not only in the run game. Um, but also pass protecting. So, you know, losing him as, as a guy who's um, plays at a high level week in and week out, he's done it for a long time and, um, you know, is one of our, our leaders in the offensive line. So uh, to lose a guy like that is tough and it's going to be hard to replace. But uh, Ty Sambrillo has stepped in several times for us uh, over the course of the season. You know, Taylor's been out a, a few times for whether it be a few plays or in Minnesota he was off for, you know, three quarters of the game. So Ty's come in and, and done a really good job for us and, we're excited to have a guy like him to be able to step up and fill that role for us. Hopefully it's able to work out starting this weekend in, a, in what will be a very, very anticipated showdown with Pittsburgh, also unbeaten. I, I know that you're just coming off yesterday's win. Have you had a chance to start looking ahead? What are your initial thoughts as you and the Steelers, the last two unbeatens in the AFC, get set to go head-to-head this weekend? Yeah, I have a ton of respect for Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, As you probably know, we were supposed to play them a few weeks ago mm-hmm. for the whole COVID debacle, so... Um, got a good look at them uh, a few weeks ago as we was a game plan for them, expecting to play them, like I said, a couple weeks ago. So uh, a lot of respect for their front, uh, extremely talented, put a lot of pressure uh, in the run game and, and the pass game, just being disruptive up front. And they have a, a great secondary back end to go along with it. So a uh, ton of respect for this defense. We're definitely going to have to go out and execute well for four quarters to uh, to come out with a win. I'll say this. I was watching their game at the same time as your game yesterday. If you Don't look at yesterday's film if you want to feel good about things. Their defense was dominant in their performance yesterday. Ryan Tannehill is with me. Let, let, let's do something here. Uh, take my listeners a place we could never normally go. As I watched your last drive, after you completed the pass and the clock is ticking down, all of us on, on the couch in my house are yelling, clock it, clock it. You very definitively did not clock it. You went into a shotgun and you clearly were running a play. Um, how, how did, how does that come about? Is that's obviously something that comes from practice. If you would, what is that entire sequence like there? And when does the decision get made that you are not going to clock the ball, but instead going to throw the ball in the end zone? Yeah, it's a situation that, like you said, we practiced several times over the course of training camp and, and during the season. You know, Coach Rabel does a great job of putting us in those type of situations um, multiple times in practice, so we get lots of reps at it. And uh, the thought there is to get two shots at the end zone. You know, you clock it. Um, you're down to probably only one shot of uh, being able to put the ball in the end zone from the, the eight-yard line. So uh, if you're able to take that shot there, um, instead of clocking it, you get higher percentage chance uh, of making a play. When is that decision made? I'm just curious. Is that something that's being um, delivered into your helmet? Like wh- when is that decision made and how is that communicated to you? Yeah, Arthur was, was calling that in. You know, As soon as we, we completed and we're down inbounds uh, with the clock running late, late there on just a few ticks on the clock you know arthur's calling that it's me i'm communicating that to the o-line and the receivers and then we uh we made it happen that was a phenomenal play ryan Tannehill with me one more and then i know that you've got a program uh to share with us today but you just mentioned the covid debacle how would you describe what those weeks were like for your team as there there were repeated tests that were coming back positive and there was criticism from around the league what was it like for you and for your teammates during those let's call them two weeks that there seemed to be so much uncertainty that was extremely frustrating you know you, you look at um you know we're living in the middle of a pandemic you know you see each and every week just about now there's a facility shutting down and and uh, somebody's testing positive so 
we were just kind of the, the first team to, to have to deal with it. Um, and just the timing of the whole situation, I think, is kind of what led to the outbreak. Um, being on a, on a on a game weekend, we're not getting tested, and we're all on a plane together multiple times. Um, you know, I think increased our chances that we were transmitting it between each other. Um, and then we had guys who were, were completely sick, you know, had every symptom in the book, every COVID symptom in the book, and we're getting consecutive negative tests. And then finally on the third, fourth test, they get a positive. So uh, they're being told they're fine, they're, they're clean. Uh, it's it's got to be a cold, something else. But yet they really had COVID the whole time and, and were probably spreading it, um, not knowing it because they were told they, were, they had negative tests. And then on the flip side of that coin, we had guys who had no symptoms at all and were, were testing positive. So um, really a, a wild week each and every day. You're, you're waking up early, looking at your phone, uh, trying to see what the deal is. Are we going to be able to go in? Are we playing a game? Are we not playing a game? We're going to be able to go have practice. Uh, so a lot of ups and downs throughout those two weeks. But we seem to have kind of grown from that situation, grew together as a team, really stuck, uh, stuck together through that adversity. And um, hopefully it's behind us now. Well, you did indeed, and you came out and you won two games in five days, including a statement win Tuesday night against Buffalo. Ryan Tannehill is here. Again, he's the comeback player of the year last year. He's an early season MVP candidate, and he is working today with USAA to appear in the USAA Salute to Service Virtual Lounge. Tell our audience what that is. Uh, Ryan, what's this program about? Yeah, it's about connecting uh, military members and veterans uh, with with players. You know, we did it in um, in Miami for the Super Bowl, we were able to do it in person, got to communicate and, and have some, some great conversations and interact with military members and their families. Um, and just being in COVID times, they're kind of transitioning that to a, to a virtual lounge. So uh, really cool that they were able to do this in season, which would be kind of tough otherwise. So it's a, it's a cool concept. Um, if, if military members want to log on to salute2service.com, uh, they can go there and submit questions. And uh, I'll be on tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And hopefully we can get your questions answered. Really nice. Ryan, thank you for answering the questions here. Congratulations on a terrific start to the season. We'll see you Sunday against Pittsburgh. Thank you. Thanks, Green. Thanks for having me. All right, of course. Ryan Tannehill of the Titans. Uh, it was, we had a fun conversation. We, we, there was dispute in the set today. Is Tannehill the A, the MVP of the league, B, not even the MVP on his team? And he made the smart choice. You heard him say there. I'll, I'll give it to Derek. And, and candidly, if I had to face Derek tomorrow, I would give it to him too. That guy... I don't even know what to say. I've never seen a person his size that runs the way he does. He really is a unique weapon, and that team is awfully good. Don't forget, the World Series starts tomorrow night. You'll hear all the games right here on ESPN Radio. Game 1, Rays and Dodgers, 7.30 Eastern tomorrow night, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, your hot takes to finish up the show today. 888-SAY-ESPN. Your hot takes coming off an NFL Sunday. Dial them up right now. My number, 888 888- Say ESPN, the hottest takes you have coming out of the football games yesterday are next. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Nothing but hot takes to finish up the show today. I'll give you my number one hot take, and then I'm coming to you for yours. My number one hot take is this. Before the season began, I picked Kansas City and Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, and I will stay with that. But my hot take is as follows. If I had to pick one of those two now that I'm more confident in, it's Tampa. Yesterday's performance by the Buccaneers was, to me, the statement performance of the NFL season so far against a Green Bay team that had looked like the best team in the NFC, a quarterback who looked like the best player in the NFC, maybe in the whole NFL. They dominated. A pick six and then another interception, and then the offense got rolling, and Green Bay never made a move to come back in the second half. That was a dominant performance by the defense of the Buccaneers. They've got Tom Brady. He won't forget what down it is again. The Buccaneers are the team to beat in the NFC. And I've still got KC in the AFC, but there's a lot of competition. Pittsburgh and Tennessee, and we haven't heard the last of Baltimore yet. So right now, if I have to pick one of my two original Super Bowl picks, I will take the Bucks. Meanwhile, Bubba, put some music on. Let's go hot takes the rest of the show. Your calls, your hottest take. Pat in New Jersey, your first up. Pat, what's your hot take? Hey, what's going on, Mike Greeny? Um, my hot take is that the New York Jets are even worse than we even all thought they were. They've scored 75 points through six games. That's 12.5 points a game. The next best team, I mean, the second worst team is 101 points, the New York Giants. Adam Gaze has got to go. He's doing irreparable damage to this team, to these young players. He's dividing the team, the split between Greg Williams. It has to come to an end. The only thing I'll say, Pat, obviously everything you're saying is right, is I believe they won't fire him because they want the first pick. At this point, anyone who's ever seen a football game knows that you have to make a coaching change, and of course they will, but I think they want to have the first pick in the draft, and I think Adam Gase is the best way to make sure this team never shows any spirit and tries to win because the players can't stand him. Tom in Chicago, you're next. Tom, what's your hot take? Hey, what's going on, Greeny? My hot take is that the Jets should go ahead and wait until the trade deadline and trade that pick now and start building with an offensive line. That's insane. Tom, th- I, I appreciate the call. You're a fine person. I like everything about you. I, 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 and, and that is just insane. Uh, the reality of it is that that first pick, the Jets' first pick, is going to wind up being worth a king's ransom. Rant, a king's ransom. The Jets have the hardest schedule the rest of the way. They're going to wind up with the first pick in the draft, and that first pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Now, he might refuse to come out if the Jets have the first pick, so he may force them to trade it. And who could blame him if he did? But if they do, they're going to trade it for four first-rounders. So, no, you're not moving that at all. Ryan, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Ryan, what's your hot take? 
Hey, Greeny, uh, Tannehill's going to win a Super Bowl before Gase wins another game. Listen, I, no argument out of me. Uh, th- there is no greater indictment, even watching his team play now, there is no greater indictment of Adam Gase than watching what has happened to Ryan Tannehill since he left. Tannehill has too much class to say it, but it's just obvious, clear and obvious. It's a good point. No one could disagree. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. And Mac, you're next up. Mac, give me a hot take. Hey, Greeny, here's the deal, man. We're starting to see the beginning of the end for Aaron Rodgers if we look at the last three years, starting with Mike McCarthy and the trouble there, then the injuries, and now look what he did yesterday. That is not common. Look at the weapons he's got on offense. This guy is on his way out. Wait and see what happens. I don't agree, Mac. I appreciate the call. I like the hot take. It's hot. It's blistering hot. For what it's worth, we woke up yesterday morning. Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of the league. He had the highest QBR through four games of any player ever. And when you say look at the weapons, I wonder what you mean by that. I think he's putting a lot of people's kids into private school. I think if you gave him Tom Brady's weapons, Aaron Rodgers would look even way better than he looked yesterday. I got 30 seconds for you, Mike. Mike, final hot take of the day. Go. The Jets will finish 0-16, and and if they play their cards right and trade it properly, they could end with 10 picks in the top 100 selections of the the draft. Yeah, they could. That's a lot of Jet calls. I, 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 I guess I bring that out in people. Mike, thank you. Yes, they could. They already have two picks in the first round. And if they wind up trading the first pick overall, then they would have a lot of picks. But the question, not just for the Jets, is for any team, is there any price, whoever it is that winds up with that first pick in the draft, and the Jets have the inside track at it, but is there any price that you would be willing to entertain to trade the pick that becomes Trevor Lawrence? Someone might have to answer it. Maybe it'll be that team. We'll see. This was fun today. Thank you for the calls. See you tomorrow morning. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.